You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie. And I'm Lindsay. And we have two special guests tonight. We have our co-host, my mom, Lisa. Hi, everybody. And then our guest of the evening is Whitney. Hello. Um, Whitney and I go way back. And actually, I mentioned her in my story um, six years ago. I don't even know how long ago. Uh, Maybe five. Um, She shared the picture from Brian Krzyzewski. She will find what is lost. Is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, that is. And that was on her social media page. And that is the moment, and I believe I was with my mom. That was the moment I recognized that I had postpartum because you shared that on your page. And so you're a huge part of this whole podcast for me. So I'm super honored that you're here today to share this um, story because you have been very bold and brave and vocal about all things mental health. Um, so I just have a lot of respect for you for that. So. Well, thank you. (laughs) I like to share, and I'm glad that I can help other people. So thank you. Yes, for sure. Um, So let's see. Let's get started. Yeah. Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your family? How many kids do you have? Okay. Well, um, like we said, my name is Whitney, and I have a husband. We've been married for almost 12 years, and we have two boys. Our oldest is Reese, and he's seven. And then we have Jack, who's five so cute yeah they're pretty cute kids and did you get postpartum with both of them um no I think with my first with Reese I got kind of what they call the baby blues right like I was I had some hard times um we waited a little while before we had our kids and so it was just a a really hard transition for me to not be able to go and do the things that I wanted to or Mm -hmm. see all the people that I usually would interact with every day. And so it was just a transition, but I don't think that I had postpartum like I know that I had after Jack. And did you intentionally wait that long or had you had fertility stuff before Reese? No, we waited, um, we waited maybe three and a half years before we started trying and then tried for a little while and then had Reese. Okay. So we were getting to like the year mark when they say, okay, go in, you know, go through some tests, see what's going on. And it was right before that, that we found out that I was pregnant. Oh, wow. So we didn't have to go through any of that. Yeah. And before um, your second, did you have any knowledge of postpartum at all? Had anyone you known had it? Um, I remember I had a friend that said, that she did not enjoy like having babies. She said, you know, right after I had my babies, I felt like I couldn't connect with them until they were at least a year old. I didn't like that stage. I didn't really care for the baby. And I remember thinking like, well, that's never gonna be me. I love babies. Of course I'll connect with my baby. And after I had my first, you know, things, like I said, it was a different situation. I felt like I was relearning a lot of things or learning new things. but I felt like I connected with him really well. Whereas when I had postpartum depression, I could totally see where the moms were coming from or specifically my friend who said, yeah, I just didn't connect. I didn't, I didn't really care for my baby, which sounds like such a hard thing, but if you've been through it, you understand. Totally. Yep. Um, so to go through the experience with your second then, when you were pregnant, were you okay. just excited? Um, yeah, so we, 
decided that we were going to have a second. And when I had my first baby, I was just dead set on having a big family. I wanted four kids. I wanted to have them all two years apart. Um, and just kind of the traditional family for here in, it seems like the Utah County area. Mm -hmm. And I was ready. I felt like I, I had bounced back. I was okay. So, but I also knew that it took me a while to have my first baby. And so, um, we were prepared to maybe have them three years apart, not two years apart. And, um, so we started trying and immediately got pregnant. Like it was like three weeks after I got my IUD out. I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. And so that was kind of a shocker, but I was excited to have two kids close together. And I had a really strong feeling that I would have another little boy, um, call it mother's intuition or whatever. I just knew that I was having another little boy. So I was really excited for these two boys to be close together. And I thought two years is close, but that's plenty of time. They'll be going through different stages. So I was excited. Um, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how I felt with that. I think that um, because of some things that had happened with my first pregnancy and with my first delivery, I was hesitant and scared a little bit, but also I felt like I had a good handle on being a, being a mom. I was only a mom for like a year and a half before that, but like, I felt like I could do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then my, then he rocked my world, I guess I should say. <laughs> I think before, when I had Reese, I had uh, a pretty easy pregnancy. Like I wasn't, you know, I was sick, but not super sick. I just didn't feel too out of the ordinary. You know, you get the aches and pains and you have, you know, the hard times, but I felt like it was okay. And then I had always thought, you know, my mom said that she was um, able to lose all her baby weight really quick. So that's what I'm going to do. And she was able to have her babies really pretty easily. So that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, she was able to breastfeed and it was just super, you know, I just kind of took everything from what my mom and my sister had said and thought, well, it's going to be easy. I can do this. I've got this. Mm -hmm. And so when we got closer to having my first, um, I had to be induced because I had high blood pressure towards the end. So they induced me and I went through a really hard labor, which ended up being a C-section because, um, because of some complications where the baby just wasn't going to come out. And so um, that was probably the most horrific experience I've ever had in my entire life. The epidural didn't work. Epidural number two didn't work. Mm. I was in full, I know, (laughs) I was in full labor. um, And they made me wait, you know, for what was working of the epidural to come down and be okay. And so I was, you know, in in full-blown labor when they took me back to have my spinal block. And at that point... My sister was my nurse, and I, I love the hospital that I had my baby in. I would never, you know, say my experience was because of the people at the hospital, maybe except for that first anesthesiologist. I wasn't too fond of him. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so after, you know, a whole day, I went in to have my spinal block, and I was in so much pain, and I was hugging my sister. There is my nurse, and, you know, saying a lot of unfriendly words to her. And they gave me the spinal and laid me down and it went up my body mm-hmm. instead of down. So the top half of me, you know, was starting to go numb. And I remember thinking, telling her, I said, Risa, am I supposed to feel it in my lips? Am I supposed to feel it in my face? Oh and her gosh. eyes got so big and Greg, my husband, wasn't in there yet. And so they, you know, were like, okay, we've got to get this baby out. We've got to put her under completely. So after 12 hours of labor, two epidurals, a spinal They finally put me under and um, I remember right before I went under 
that, you know, my husband came in and then I was out. And I didn't wake up for about an hour after having my baby. Oh. And so I was just angry. Like I got up Ooh. and I was so mad and I was swearing at the nurses, which probably wasn't my finest Go moment. Girl. But I, and before I went into the C-section, I remember telling my husband, I said, if they have to put me under for any reason, no one gets to hold our baby before I hold our baby. You know, I didn't want my baby to be passed around. I didn't want people to get to hold him before I did, you know, except for my husband. I didn't care. I wanted him to hold him. So I woke up and I was super, super mad. And it was still a little while before I got to meet my son. And after that, um, you know, it was a little traumatic. I remember I couldn't stop shaking every time I would tell the story about how, you know, going numb from the hips up and having that full day and then being put under and not being able to meet my child right away. Um, That was really hard for me. So when I went back, I knew I was going to have a C-section with my second and I had prepared myself and I thought it can't be as bad as it was before, right? Because right. I won't be going through labor. I won't have this whole horrendous experience before. I'll go right in and it will be great. And it was, it was fine. I had him at, I went in at 7.30 in the morning. I had him at 7.50 um, because my sister was in the room as my nurse. She let me do skin to skin right away. Um, so while they were getting everything finished with me, I was able to hold him. And by nine o'clock, I think I was walking, like I, I got up and I had visitors that day and it was good, but, but sitting on that operating table when they were putting the spinal in, I had a full on meltdown because I just remembered how hard it was the first time, yeah. right? And it's mm-hmm. kind of like those, they don't quite leave you, those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but after that, I mean, my first child, I had a hard time breastfeeding. Um, I just didn't have a lot of milk and he was a really slow eater. It was like an hour feeding every mm. time, but I did it for a few months and then I thought, we're good. I'm good. We'll do formula. Cause this is, it's getting really hard. And so with my second, it seemed like things were just going so much better. I had an easy delivery with the C-section. I had a better recovery, at least the first day. Um, my milk came in, I feel like almost instantly but he didn't latch on right. So that was something that was kind of a hiccup, like, okay, things are going better, but I'm all torn up. And then I had mastitis. And then I I just felt like I was failing at everything at the beginning. And I I know they tell parents and they tell moms, you know, you keep the baby alive and that's the most important thing, right? Whether you breastfeed or you bottle feed, whether Mm -hmm. you have a natural birth or you have an epidural, whether it's vaginal or C-section, you brought this baby into the world. But after having a C-section and then choosing to have another one, which you wouldn't believe how many people give you crap for that. (laughs) You know, they say, well, why wouldn't you try again? Why wouldn't you try a VBAC? And that just wasn't my choice. I didn't want to go through that again. So after, um, you know, feeling like I had failed in that way and then feeling like even though my body wanted to breastfeed, I couldn't because he had latched on wrong. And it was, I mean, I don't want to get too graphic at all, but whatever you want. I mean, my milk was coming out pink because I was bleeding so much and I just, it was so bad and I felt like I wasn't recovering and I couldn't take care of my babies. And not only that, but I couldn't really connect with my second one either. Like I didn't really care that he was there. Yeah. Is that terrible? Like I just, I looked down at him and I remember in the crib just thinking life was better before you got here because I was able to go out and I was able to do things and I'm not really a homebody. So it was hard to be home. Um, but after two weeks and being just torn up, I had my, my sister there every day trying to help me 
breastfeed and see what was most comfortable for me. And I was trying to pump because that didn't hurt as bad, but it made me angry because I was taking so much time with my newborn and pumping. And I had a two-year-old who wanted my attention as well. And I couldn't pick anyone up because I was recovering from a C-section and it was really overwhelming. And I went to my pediatrician who I love and I just broke down and explained what was going on and how I felt. And, and he looked at me and in all seriousness, but also as a joke, he said, you know, bottle fed babies still go to college. And it really hit me like, okay, this is okay. It's all right. If I'm not doing exactly what I had in my mind that was going to happen. Right. I didn't have a natural birth. I didn't breastfeed. I didn't do these things, but it's okay because I'm taking care of my baby. Now, there were other things going on as well where, you know, I didn't with postpartum depression, but at that time I didn't really realize I was going through that. Mm -hmm. But I think just that initial experience at first was, it's hard to, um, it's hard to put into words, but it's hard to see past your failures when you're a new mom. Anyway, like the things that, oh, I didn't get my body back as fast as this person, or I can't breastfeed. Or my baby, you know, doesn't want to be held like these babies want to be held. Or whatever it is, you put so much weight on yourself that when you're going through depression as well, it just compounds it so much. I remember being embarrassed that RJ couldn't do tummy time. I was yeah. so embarrassed. I was so dumb. Mm. Like, who cares? Right? Who cares? They're going to learn it. figure it out. He yeah. can hold his head up now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who cares? They are fine but it's true it's so real when you're in it though when yeah. you're in it oh I my just, gosh yeah. I, I looked I did the worst thing I looked on the internet and I read Oof. about you know what are the side effects of formula feeding your baby uh-huh. and there were so many people mm-hmm. who just thought that was going to ruin their life and not only that but people who told me to my face that having a c-section um was going to hurt my baby's what was it their immunity and things or that's the cause of their anxiety because they didn't get the fluids and the stuff when they went through the birth canal and so they're going to have problems later in life because I chose to have a c-section so you get all of these things and you're and of course you're feeling bad about yourself and your Mm -hmm. decisions when no you're just you're honestly trying to do what's best for you and your family and everyone's different yeah I totally agree so you're a pediatrician you broke down he says that Yes. Does he question, like, are you going through postpartum? Does he bring that up at all? Or is he just concerned about the baby? So he's just concerned about the baby. Well, he did say, you know, I said, I feel like I'm an angry mom. Like, for the first time, I was looking at my two-year-old who spilled over a bottle of milk that I had um, just pumped. And I'm swearing at my two-year-old. <laughs> right? That is the cardinal. A lot of work. <laughs> no. But I'm like, this isn't right. This shouldn't make me that angry. But I don't think that I was really thinking about postpartum depression. Because I was never a depressed person before this. I've had severe anxiety my whole life. And I, I can talk about that. But I have always, you know, I've never had depression. And so, um, so he said, you know, we want, we don't want an angry mom. Because I was saying that I was an angry mom. So he said, well. We need to do whatever we can to make sure that we don't have an angry mom. Because if we have an angry mom, then, you know, then there's more problems. And so he did kind of hint at it. But I don't, I don't even think I was looking for postpartum at that point. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to get through the day to day. Okay, I can't feed him or I can't do this or, you know, um, and I didn't really realize how bad it was. But as the months went on, and especially looking back at those first few months, it really was, um, 
I wasn't myself. I definitely had postpartum depression because I would, like I said, I would look at him and he would cry and scream in his crib and he was a good sleeper. But when he would get up in the night and I was so tired, I just thought, I don't care if you cry. I don't care if you're sitting there. I want to sleep. And not in like the way that parents want sleep. It was like a genuine, like, you you ruined what I had going on. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, I feel, you know, like, obviously that wasn't me. I love my child. But, um, so I remember going through that and going through just, just not really caring if he ate or if he didn't eat or, or what was going on. Um, but it was still a few months later and that I really, it took me a while, I guess is what I'm trying to say to realize I was going through postpartum and that the feelings that I had weren't feelings that were typical, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a hormone imbalance. Um, I know that, so the picture that I had posted, the, um, she will find what she lost, that actually spoke to me as well because someone had posted it on their Instagram. Serious. But yeah, and that came as, um, so I had him, I had my second in April and that wasn't until maybe the next January. And I had just gone through being, I was really sick. Jack was really sick and my aunt had just passed away. Or was, you know, she was dying. We all knew she was she was going to die. And then she passed away. And I feel like I hit rock bottom at that point. Because I remember looking at her and just kind of realizing, like, wouldn't it be a nice release if that was me? And I could just go. Mm. And I had those thoughts a lot. I never attempted suicide, but I definitely fantasized about it. Where it was, if I got out of the picture, if I was, if I was gone then my kids could have a mom who could deal with more, who could love them more. Even though I loved them, I felt like they could have maybe a mom who was more fun, more outgoing, or, you know, whatever it is, because I just didn't feel like I was adding up. And not only that, I felt like if I wasn't there, my husband could have somebody who was a better wife. And somebody who, I don't know, I don't know if it was, you know, more attractive or, you know, felt like, I don't know if I'm sure a lot of women feel this way, but after I had my kids, you know, I didn't want to be close to anybody, right? Like, it was like, don't touch me. I've been touched all day. And so I thought, well, if I leave the picture, then he'll have someone who wants to be close to him because I can't right now. And so I would just fantasize like, okay, well, if I went and it, it would get in my head like, well, then there's life insurance and they could have my life insurance and they could buy a house and everything would be fine. So I was really thinking deep about if I died, how nice that would be. And when my aunt died, um, I remember just going, you know, to tell her goodbye. She was, she was unconscious basically. Like she, I don't know if she could hear me or not, but just, I remember sitting by her and saying like, okay, here's the deal. If you're, if you're going, then I need you to watch out for me because I don't know that I can do this on my own. And I hadn't told anyone. I don't even think I had told my husband yet how I was feeling. Um, But I told her. And I just... I'm sorry. I I needed to know so badly that there was somebody that was going to help me. And that's when... It was within that week that I found that picture by Brian Krzyznik. And it just... It touched me so much. And it made me realize that I did have people there to help me. And to, to build me up. And what I needed to do was be honest with myself and with the people around me because I felt like I'd been keeping it all in. Because 
you know, Utah moms should want more children and they should be able to do all these things and they should be able to um, make dinner and keep their house up and, you know, be active at church and just be okay with life. Um, and I wasn't. I was was really struggling. So after that is when I opened up to my husband and it that was the biggest thing that helped me because he really I know he loves me and that's a huge blessing that I have is to have you know a very supportive husband but he could he genuinely could help me feel and see that I was needed in our family another thing about how Whitney and I know each other so obviously the picture that she had posted so there's four of us here right so Whitney posted the picture from Brian Kershesnik on her page my mom went and bought that picture for I me. I saw that, and that it touched her so much that I surprised her and went and bought that for her. Yeah, I remember that post, and I yeah. thought that was the sweetest thing. It was amazing. And then three years later, probably more than that, three something, three years about later, that, maybe. yeah, Lindsay and I met, and she had told me about her miscarriage and her postpartum, and we kind of connected through that. She, you know, um, and then. I went and bought her that picture. All so four of us. Yeah. Crazy connection. Pay it forward. Yes. Right? We are all connected. There's a theme. Love that. We can get Brian Critches next yeah. here to talk Brian, about it. Go pay Brian. us the commission here. <laughs> yes. I love that picture so much. And I remember I had never seen it before until oh. Leslie gave it to me. And it just spoke to me. And I was like, okay, I have angels and babies up there right. that are cheering me on. And I'm. I'm going to make it through this. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And you can look at it in so many angles. I feel it or so many different ways. Like I feel like sometimes I look at it for people that have passed on mm-hmm. before yeah. me to help me. And then sometimes I'm like, no, these are people all around me yeah. right now yes, that are helping me here. But when I saw that picture, I, I had posted it and I had showed my husband and he got it for my, it was my 29th birthday. And he wrote on the back of it and my, you know, had my kids scribble on the back. Aww. And whenever I take it off the wall and I see it and I see that little thing on the back, like happy 29th birthday, we love you. It, it all comes back. But it's that love that was there when I was going through such a hard time. Like, yeah. it was that mm-hmm. support that he knew that that was important to me. And he wanted to show me that he loves me. Mm-hmm. So How beautiful. So that picture is really important for everyone yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks to you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Um, Going back before then and just, you know, as I think about the hardest times that I went through. I There was one time, like I said, that I was really sick that winter. And Jack was really sick. And I remember hearing him cough at night and he would cough and cough and cough. And I didn't get up to help him because I just honestly couldn't get out of bed and I didn't care enough. And it went on for like a week and a half. And then I ended up taking him to the doctor and we had to take him to the hospital because he had RSV. And that was kind of a wake up call. Like you weren't reading these signs. You weren't thinking about these things because you just didn't care, right? And so, and that's something that took me a long time to get over was I was, um, I didn't care enough at that point to help my son when he really needed help. And um, so after that, I, you would think that I would go and I would get help and I would get on medication or talk to a therapist or something, and, but I still didn't for a couple months. And looking back it surprises me so much because I know that I have anxiety I have had it you know like I said my whole life um but I also studied psychology in college I got a degree in psychology and I am a firm believer in going to counseling 
I think it, you know, I wanted to be a, a therapist. I think it's a great thing, but I still didn't feel like I needed it, right? And so I waited a few more months and I kind of, I was getting better. And I was getting better because I was like telling people how I actually felt. I wasn't trying to hide and be somebody that I wasn't. I was, uh, you know, telling people, well, I don't want any more kids. I'm not doing this again. I'm done, you know, and, or, um, just sharing my experiences in other ways. And it took a while. I remember one time the hardest one was to tell my mom to say, you know, I don't want another kid because I wanted to kill myself. And she got mad and said, you know, why didn't you tell me? And I thought, I didn't tell anyone. I can't tell anyone about this. Um, because I was scared of what people would think of me or I didn't quite believe that it was as serious as it was. So, so anyway, my kids were crazy. They have always had a lot of energy. So I feel like I'm just getting out of this time even now where I'm not chasing both of them around trying to keep them from like dying, basically. <laughs> Um, we were just talking about that. <laughs> yeah. We both have boys. Yeah. Oh Difference my between gosh. boys and girls, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's crazy. And so we lived in an apartment. We had a really unique living situation. We lived um, over by Utah Valley University. And I was employed through the university. And I worked for the Center for the Advancement of Leadership, the Cal program. And they housed their leadership students. They had leadership scholarship housing. So they would rent out or like take over entire floors of apartment buildings and their scholarship students would live there and then on every floor they had what was called a resident leader so it was usually a married couple that would meet with the students make sure they were keeping up with their scholarship requirements putting out fires you know with roommate disputes and just being there and it was a great job because it allowed me to be home for most of the time and we lived for free and so the only downside was that I was surrounded by college students in this little apartment with these two boys, there was no backyard, there was no place to really go play. And so it just kind of seemed like really, really chaotic at that time. And my husband was working full time and he was getting his master's degree and he had a very demanding um, service calling in church. And so he was gone a lot. And I feel like I would go for days where it was me and the boys and we were in this apartment, we'd get out and we'd do things. And I had family close by, which was really great. But you know, I was in charge of the entire day plus dinner plus bedtime and then he would come home and I'm not saying he wasn't you know active in their lives or anything he really was it was just he had a lot going on so I was home with the boys a lot and that um kind of helped that was I don't know if that was part of the postpartum I think postpartum is you know obviously it's hormonal um but it definitely didn't help me feel like I could do anything for myself yeah right and so um I remember vividly it was like close to the next winter, I feel like it was like that fall. Um, so how old is so, your baby okay, at this point? Let me think about this. So he was born in April, um, 2015. So then it would have been like the fall 2016. Like it had been a while, and I had recognized that I had had postpartum depression. But again, I never went and got any help for it. I had just decided, well, I'm done having kids. Like I'm not going through this again. This is hard. I don't care what people say, you know, we're, we're done. Um, and so that fall, I remember talking to my sister-in-law, my husband's sister, and it was a really chaotic day. We were at a family event and she looked at me and she said, are you okay? And I said, honestly, some days I feel like I just can't do it. Like I'm, I'm gonna, you know, not 
literally hurt my children, but like, I want to hurt my children. Like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just done. Like, I don't know what to do. And I kind of had this breakdown moment because I was so stressed and so anxious. And I don't think I'd really digested everything that was going on after Jack's birth. And so she said, you know, I have someone that I want you to talk to. Like, I, we have a doctor. She's just a family practitioner. She's not a therapist, but she has, she's amazing with people with anxiety and depression. And so I feel like that was the first time in my life that I ever, it was the first time in my life that I ever went and got help for myself. After going through the postpartum depression and going through all of those things after Jack that I was so unfamiliar with, um, like I said, I had never had depression before. And so I didn't notice when I did, right? Because I'm not a depressed person. And so it took me a while to look back and go, okay, those feelings are not right. I'm an anxious person, person, but not a depressed person. So she told me to call this doctor and I didn't want to at first, but I thought, you know what? I probably should because I could really use some help. And so the doctor's waiting list was like months long. I think I did this in September and I didn't get into her until around Christmas time. Totally worth it. This doctor is amazing. <laughs> um, but I went in and sat down with her and I had my kids with me because where else would they go? And they were acting crazy and I just broke down. She just said, okay, what's going on? You know, and I said, I think I have anxiety. I know I have anxiety, but I've never been treated for it. I think I have depression. I can't handle life. I can't keep going on like this because I feel like I'm, I'm not a good mom. I'm not taking care of myself. Um, and so she sat down with me probably for over an hour and asked me, questions from all aspects of my life and I really she was a person that I felt like I could open up to and so I told her what was going on whether it was you know things that happened in my past you know she wanted to know how long I had had anxiety so she asked me about specific ages in my life and said do you remember what you were anxious about at that time and I could tell her exactly what I was anxious about whether it was like aliens or my parents dying or you know whatever it was I could tell her the things that scared me and and gave me anxiety and then up to the most recent. And so, um, and then we talked about the depression and during all of this, my kids were just crazy. They were, they were really crazy in that office. So she very kindly took them out and she asked her nurses to watch my kids and she gave them snacks and she gave them something to do. And she just let me unload. That's amazing. It's beautiful. It was (laughs) seriously this. This doctor is truly incredible. She's awesome. And so um, after that, she said, well, I think, you know, we should look into finding a therapist for you, somebody that you can talk to. She said, we're not going to, we can't refer anyone specifically, but maybe look at these places um, and we should get you on some medication. And again, I've never been opposed to medication before. I just had never owned up to what I was going through. I wish I had years ago right? Because it's been a life changer. But so I got out of there and that was another really hard point. Okay. I have to face what I've been going through and how I've been feeling and that it's not okay. Um, or not normal. If there even is such a thing as normal, it's Mm -hmm. not normal, right? There's, there's an imbalance here. And so I started therapy at that point and I started, um, medication and it was right about that point that people kept asking me, So do you think you're going to have a third baby? Mm. And that was like my breaking point every time because Mm -hmm. I just, I'm a people pleaser. And I wanted to tell them like, 
oh yeah yeah we are okay yeah you know I can't wait to have another baby but I also was like screaming in my head like do you know what I've been going through I am not going to do this again I can't I can't live through that again and so that was it felt like it was probably years because I feel like I'm just getting out of it people are just starting to realize or stop asking me if I'm going to have another baby Mm -hmm. um but going to therapy and talking about it and being on medication really helped but also um, just being honest with where I was and how I felt and that I didn't need to be a people pleaser. Like I could be raw and I could tell people what I was feeling. And more often than not, it connected me with people like it did with you, Leslie, mm-hmm. um, instead of making people see me as weird or something, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, so I think there's all aspects of getting help and medication is something that I see myself on my entire life whether or not I have another baby which I am not going to you know um, <laughs> everyone did you hear that yes. don't ask oh, I am not having another child stop the questions yes mm-hmm. now if a baby is dropped off at my doorstep I will gladly exactly. take that baby in but I am not having another and baby what was your address yeah <laughs> please 400 babies tonight. <laughs> yeah. oh that would make my husband so happy um but I feel like So medication is something that I just, I see myself on for my entire life because it really has been a life changer for me. Therapy is something that I went to for a while. I don't anymore, um, but I really feel like it helped me live through and get through those really hard, stressful, anxiety and depression filled times. And then um, just being honest, like sharing my story and being open with people and telling people exactly how I feel, even if I'm scared that they're gonna think that I'm, you know, insensitive or if they're scared that, or if I'm scared that they're going to think that I'm not good enough, that was, that was something that was huge for me. Um, I remember this one day sitting down after having Jack and I had Reese who was two years old, who I couldn't pick up and I couldn't hold. And I was swearing at him for spilling milk. And I, I just was not the mom that I was a few weeks prior to that. Right. Like I felt like I had completely changed and I couldn't breastfeed and I had, you know, I chose to have the C-section, which I'm glad I did. My babies were huge and my torso's not that long. I just, it wasn't working coming out. And so um, I'm glad I chose the C-section, but I felt like I had failed in all of these ways. So that few weeks after having Jack, feeling like I had just, I wasn't doing anything that as a woman, as a mother, my body was made to do. I just sat on the floor of our bathroom and I cried and and I just let it all out. And I remember feeling like telling my husband that I had a baby that I was supposed to take care of and I couldn't even take care of myself because if any of you have had C-sections, you know, it's really hard to take care of yourself mm-hmm. after having that major surgery and then try expected to get up and just live life as normal. You go yeah. home from the hospital to recover and to take care of another human being and more if you have more at home. So that was the first time that I remember just feeling really down on myself. Like I failed. I failed as a mom. I failed as a woman. I am not, it took me a long time to admit and to feel good about the way that I gave birth and the way that I fed my kids because I just didn't feel like I was doing it in a way that was respectful or respected. I should say, right? And so that was the first time I felt really hard on myself. And then when I realized, and this took me years of going back and forth, but every time I realized that 
I didn't want to have more than two kids, that I didn't want to go through that again in a community where people had four or five or six kids. I would feel that same way, like I'm not good enough. I am not good. I'm not as good as this person or this person or this person. And they are all looking down on me. And from a religious aspect, I remember feeling like um, Heavenly Father was not happy with me because I was not doing what he asked me to do. And that is just crazy. I mean, I had two kids. I was, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you, it, it just doesn't matter. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I can't get into it more than that. But it, I feel like I just felt like I'd failed everyone, including him. And that took a long time to come out of. And I think that was part of the depression is I was so hard on myself for not being able to um, be the mom that I thought I would be, right? Or not even the mom, but being able to do all the things, take care of my kids in the way, feed my kids in the way, have my kids in the way that I thought I could made me just go into that depression even more and like I said it it took years it really wasn't until just a few months ago when I was like okay we are we're done having kids and I'm not gonna bring up the issue anymore when I really you know I haven't dipped down and come back up just from feeling that that guilt and that um not imperfection the what's the word I'm trying to look for um trying to think of just just not feeling good enough. Yeah, like I a guess. shame. Yes, yeah. yes. Like everyone's looking, going, what's wrong with her? Why mm-hmm. isn't, you know. Judgment. Judgment. Yeah, that's, or judgment. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. And so, and I don't know what people were actually thinking, but man, that's what I felt, you know? And so it, that was really, really hard. But um, getting help and just accepting your own, like for me, it's like accepting my own story, right? My story is different than your story and your story and your story. And everyone is different. Everyone can go through their own things. And that's great. Mm-hmm. And that has really helped me in then being able to share it with other people. I think like I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm just like, you know, you're giving a voice to so many women that sit with that guilt and shame of how they fed their baby, how they gave birth. Um, like I'm just like everything like that you've said so far I think for me like the biggest gem is that like just feed your baby right you know like just <laughs> they still go to college yeah like <laughs> I just know. there's there's so much of that you know there's so much guilt and shame around that we hear that so many times but like just for me like every single word that you have said today has just given a voice to so many things that women sit in shame with silent that the way that you've worded it and the space that you came from when you said it, like, yeah, you've given a lot of women a voice just by what you've said today. Oh. Like, so powerful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope true. so, because I feel like if we don't share and if we don't talk about it, then we don't know what other people are going through. So I love this podcast because I really do love that people can relate to others and know that they're not alone, um, even though it feels like, like they are. Like, no mm-hmm. one could understand or feel the guilt that they feel. And I think it will stop, you know, the judgment when we all just kind of, like, recognize, like, everyone feels this. Everyone. You know? Everyone feels guilt. Everyone feels shame. and Right. And, and I, I oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I loved how you brought up that, you know, you had this new baby and you were like, things were better before you were here. Because I remember feeling that way with my second and never saying that to anyone, but feeling like <sighs> it was so much easier before you were here. 
and I don't even know you. Like, (laughs) I know this son. I know my first son really well. Like, he's been mine for 20 months. And now I have you, and I don't know you, and you're just really ruining things right now, you know? And I remember feeling guilty that I felt that way, so I didn't dare to tell anyone. So I'm so grateful that you brought that up, because Mm -hmm. I think those are perfectly normal feelings. It's a total shift when you add another family member, especially when you have another young one that you're... Right. still trying to raise and then the guilt that you're taking time away from them because you're having to spend so much time with this new one so i just love that you brought that up I thank know. you thank you and I, I would love to add a perspective on that too um because i am leslie's mom so i'm that next generation behind you and i'm also that woman in the grocery store that watches all of you young moms with all of your kids and i love that you're bringing an awareness and an invitation to all of us who now can say hey do you need help mm-hmm. where our generation it was not okay to ask that but you guys are creating an opportunity that it is okay and hats off to all of you for sharing and being willing to create something like this podcast to allow an opportunity for women to come and have a voice mm-hmm. and to spit some of the poison out if you will right number one and to create an opportunity for all of us that can maybe be that hand or be that person to encourage it to go get help that you might need so thank you it's amazing what talking about it can do i know for all of us no it's true there's um it's hard when you keep it in and i think whether it's your first child or your second or your seventh you never know what's going to happen and that's what terrified me after having my second i thought i can't go through this again and people would say oh it's okay you know you can get on medication you'll be fine or maybe you won't have any depression and i just i couldn't see even attempting something that would put me through that again and maybe i didn't you know i hope that i expressed when i was talking just how deep and dark it was and maybe I didn't but it I know what you feel like if you're going through that deep and dark Mm -hmm. space and if you know just leaving feels like the best option and it's not it's not the best option but I I get where that is and I think when I had my first I remember um holding him and putting him to bed we've been really strict on like bed routines and things so I never took my baby out really late at night I'd put him to bed and I I that was huge for me and now I love it I hate being out at night because I'm so used to being at home but that first little while where it was 7 30 and I was putting my baby to bed and I could hear all of the neighbors out playing and these older kids and I would just cry and go they've made it through they don't have to be here putting a baby to bed they get to be outside they get to be doing this they could be going to dinner right now oh my gosh they could go to the grocery store at 10 o'clock and that was hard for me Mm -hmm. but then the second one was like something much deeper like you know I don't even know why you're here because I had a really good thing going on and I got through that and why did I do it again which I would never want my son to feel that way that I Mm -hmm. that I thought that because I I do love him so much and I've connected with him so much now and even before he was born I feel like I knew who he was but it's just um when you're there you can't really see anything else Mm -hmm. I guess and that resentment almost just like because for me, I felt like kind of the same way. Like when that resentment comes on, it almost just like possesses your brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, I just, if you weren't here, like life would just be easier. Or if I wasn't here, like resentment towards myself and my body. Right. And my son and my situation. Your capability. So or... much of that resentment. Just, yeah. It's true. It's it's hard. And I'm 
not someone that can sit at home all day or you know not be working on something and so it was a really big shift for me to have mm-hmm. to be home with the baby and not get the things done that I wanted to get you done. want to feel like you have purpose and productive yeah. <laughs> and I was like I made my bed today that was the biggest thing where <laughs> like that's a win like, yes. Yes. right <laughs> which you know put a plug in if you feel like you're going through it the biggest thing I feel like you can do is get up and make your bed or get up and get Seriously. ready because I've known moms that you know they, they stay in their pajamas all day and some days are just like that that's how it goes but sometimes it's just getting ready or getting your home ready or whatever can can help find that thing find for that you thing. Yeah, totally. that makes you feel like okay I, I did this today I at yes. least did that did this I made the bed or I put my bed is not made today and my baby is five so <laughs> I know I left yeah. without but making you can my walk. bed not that today was that was yesterday <laughs> good job though thank I'm you just kidding. <laughs> oh. but that's not my thing my, making my bed is not my thing but right. if you got to find that thing mm-hmm. if it's totally exercising if it's putting makeup on if it's taking a shower if it's making your bed you got to find that thing yep so it's true okay so here's the question all right your darkest day your darkest moment maybe when your aunt passed away or whenever that was for you whatever that stands out to be what would you sit beside yourself and tell yourself in that moment um you know i I think, I can't think of an exact moment, but I can think of a feeling and maybe a compilation of moments. Just those times when I would sit back and really think, if I wasn't here, mm-hmm. things would be better. Like, my husband mm-hmm. deserves someone else. My kids deserve someone else. And I think I would just, I'd have to tell myself, like, that's not true. Your husband, like, my husband loves me. My kids love me and they want me here. They're not seeing what I'm seeing. Um they're seeing more than that and they they don't want a replacement they want me and uh, when my husband brought that up to me that really was a game changer in my life when I realized like there are people that love me and care about me even though I don't love myself right now (laughs) I can't can't care about myself I think just knowing that that's not um that's not the best option because you're you're worthy of your life and you're worthy of the love from other people around you and there is help uh like lisa Mm -hmm. said there are so many people there's grandparents and neighbors and people in the store who once they know your situation they want to help you once my mom knew she was so mad that i had not told her before but i was terrified she had five kids she got through it she you know, she did it all, and I just felt like I couldn't compare with her or with people um, in my family before me. But once they know your situation, they're a lot more loving mm-hmm. than you may think in your head. It's so true. So, and they want you to know how much they love you, right? By showing their support for you, it's definitely. true. It's true. When I opened up and told people, the the support was amazing, and just being able to connect with people who are going through it, or have gone through it, or maybe who like who never have gone through it, yeah. but but love you and want mm-hmm. to help you, it's it, it's incredible. And I think unless you've gone through it, you can't comprehend how low you can get, right? Yeah, how hard it can be, but also how amazing that help is from the people who really want to understand what you're going through because everyone goes through different things yeah. right mm-hmm. it makes you more human when you speak about it that's so true well anything else you want to share with us Whitney 
I don't think so. Unless you have any other questions, I'm happy to answer any other questions. But I hope what I said made sense. Oh, it so did. <laughs> I'll add one mommy comment, one one grandma comment, that I think it's really important, you girls that have gone through this, that you pay it forward cautiously. You know, that you're careful, careful, careful always to not trigger your own stuff, but that you do what you're doing tonight, Whitney and Lindsay and Leslie, that you pay it forward and watch for other women that need help right and even if it's just a hug right you don't have to go get involved in their lives and all of that but just to say you can do this i've been there i love you and get help i think that's great i think i i completely agree and that's something that when we made the decision um earlier this year that we were done having kids and we really talked about it. I mean, it had been five years since our last and for those who have had babies and have contraception, mm-hmm. you know that after five years, you may need to get your IUD replaced. And that was a big thing for me. Okay. Am I going to get it replaced and, and have another five years or should we take it out and try for a baby? And once we had decided that we were done and I had made a comment, I said, well, that means I'm never, I don't get to hold little babies or, you know, that's kind of hard, even though I don't <laughs> necessarily want to go through it all. I, I do love parts of that stage of life Mm -hmm. that's called being a grandma (laughs) (laughs) just so you know that's part just hang on a little longer a little longer it's coming (laughs) we're at the end of our families and so it's like our siblings they have kids older than our kids so i don't have that joy of like even Mm -hmm. having little nieces and nephews because i had nieces and nephews when i was like 10 and 11 right you know and so but my husband said he goes well that's simple help people around you like there's plenty of babies to hold there's Mm -hmm. plenty of people to help and I thought oh my gosh you're right like I can find that mom in church who needs their child and then you can still sleep at night and then I can still sleep at night (laughs) (laughs) but I can I can look for those people that are going through the hard time and find out how I can help them because I've been through it and it's just now I'm at a different time of life like I'm not having my own babies with their own nap schedules and their own feedings and all of that so I can go out and I can help um, in other ways, whether it's, you know, right now I, I serve in the primary in my ward and I get to take in my church congregation and I get to take all of those kids and just love them and send them home to their families after. <laughs> Once the best. <laughs> but, but I really get to hopefully be an influence in their lives. And again, with the women around me yeah. too, being able to help. Mm-hmm, that's, right. It's huge when you look at it in that perspective to help other people. You feel like you really can learn, um, share your experience. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I love this. I'm so glad that I got to come and talk and I, yeah. I hope it helps. We're so glad it that will. you came. It was <laughs> awesome having you. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.